Pardon the interruption, but I'm Mike Wilbontoni, a neuroscientist, says romantic relationships with robots will be widespread by 2050. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Ahead of the curve, huh? Ahead of the curve. See, see, I've always suspected that the little house, you got a robot or two in the little house. Am I right on this? We may have some robots in there. We may have some exotic animals in there. <laughs> I'm, not gonna, I'm not disclosing what exactly no. is in the little house, but one thing I'm we don't... I'm going to break in there. Here's what I we don't have yet. Tea. We don't I have any don't water. We have no running water. <laughs> All right, it's a hazmat disaster. Welcome to PTI, boys and girls. In today's episode, Boogie may be back. The Bruins take game one, and Toronto Raptors head coach Nick Nurse joins us for five good minutes. But we begin today with yet another long and detailed story about the dysfunction and the dissolution of this year's Los Angeles Lakers. This one is written by Baxter Holmes of ESPN, and it talks clinically and not favorably about Magic Johnson, Rob Palinka, and Agent Rich Paul, among others. None of these three comes off well. Two-faced is a phrase that comes to mind. Wilbon, what did you take away from this piece? Tony, I, I reinforce that the Lakers are, have been unbelievably dysfunctional. I don't know about anything new other than that. I mean, look, we've known from admission, actions, good reporting over the last month or so. It's been, it's been like six weeks that the Lakers are just, they're, they're, they're worse than not relevant. They are dysfunctional. So this doesn't advance. There's some great nuances here, some interesting stories that are fascinating. But does it make me think anything new about the Lakers? No. I mean, we both think that the Lakers are a dumpster fire. We both agree on that. This just provides details around the edges that we hadn't seen before. It portrays management at this point as, you know, as actually incompetent. And, and Magic Johnson is said to be feared by the people who are his employees. Rob Palinka is said to be distrusted by the people who are his employees. Rich Paul, the agent for LeBron James, the guy who began to orchestrate that trade for Anthony Davis that I think killed both teams, ultimately. Rich Paul apparently at one point goes up to Adam Silver, and he dislikes Luke Walton so much as a coach. He says to Adam Silver, let's get rid of him, and let's put Ty Lue well, in Tony, there. Tony, you I always mean, said Rich Paul was seen power mad, yes. so this would speak to that issue. Again, Not we've been talking about this stuff for two months. Well, you know what I mean? Like, I am not of the position that the Lakers need to be at the top of the news every day and that somehow basketball can't survive without LeBron and the Lakers. You know, I don't I'm not obsessed with and this I understand, story. Line, I understand. Many many I think are. it talks about LeBron, his acquisition of power, which happens everywhere LeBron goes. I, yeah. think, I think that that's a very glamorous team, the Lakers. More glamorous. This probably happens on other teams, but they're not as yeah. glamorous. Yes. And I think ultimately it lands on Jeannie Buss. Because I think she has made bad hires and has not been able to get anything to run smoothly. You know, I'm not going to argue with you on that. I really pretty much agree with you, which is why we need to get to people who are actually playing this week, which means the NBA Finals. Steve Kerr said yesterday Kevin Durant will not play game one, but the Boogie Cousins has scrimmaged the last couple of days and is eligible to play. Cousins hasn't played since the Warriors' second game of the playoffs back on April 15th. So given the difficulty of working in a ball-needy big man and that the Warriors have been great as they are, should Kerr actually put Boogie right back on the floor in game one of the finals? I don't really understand this. I mean, the Warriors are 5-0 and in the playoffs without Kevin Durant. Obviously, Boogie Cousins hasn't played in any of those games. 
They have gone back to the team that was so good four years ago and three years ago. They seem to know what they're doing. I would not rush him back into a game. Certainly, I wouldn't start him. I mean, I might play him some minutes down the road. But this is a guy who's a big, lumbering guy who's slow anyway and, and admits himself he's out of condition. So I don't, it makes no sense to me, and I know it makes no sense to you, that you would see him in a starting lineup. I'm I'm reaching here, and I'm trying to think of what is it about the makeup of the opposition that might lead me to do that. Now, I will say this, Tony. You've got Mark Gasol on Toronto, a guy Boogie Cousins has played his whole career. These guys have been going at it their whole careers. Right, but Gasol stands 20 feet out. Right, okay, but situationally, he can't, yes, Gasol now... He's almost in Robin Lopez yeah. land, like 25 feet from the basket. Yeah. But you can play him with the second unit. I mean, one thing that the starters for Golden State have been doing, Tony, was probably playing too many minutes. So if you want to bring Boogie in to sort of fortify the team that way, I can see that. But disrupting okay. what Clay and Steph have no, going right now. No, and no. I, you know, Boogie and, and, and Cousins Draymond? was brought to this team as an ornament. Okay, it was an experiment. Look how good we could be with him if it right. worked out. This right. is, you don't experiment now because it's really good without him so far. Yeah. The number five rated recruit for this coming basketball season is an 18-year-old from Dallas named R.J. Hampton. But he's not going to college, not even for this one phony year. He's going to New Zealand to play pro basketball right away, which he thinks will get him more ready for the NBA than will college, which he said he doesn't want to attend anyway. Wilbon, does Hampton's decision make sense to you? You know, Tony, I didn't need to make sense to me. I understand what he's doing. He's not the first to do it. There have been a string of people, not a ton. It's not even increasing. And by the way, this is the Australian Basketball League, and New Zealand has an entry in it. So I, I get this. There are, got, there are kids now. And look, Tony, this, this is across all parts of the culture who are looking away from four-year college, whether it's study or you know, expenses or now athletics. So, okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah. I don't know that any of the players who have reached this decision and tried this path have become, you know, uh, LeBron. So I w- it's the jury's still out on that, but I understand why he would try this method, yes. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I thought of is why don't you want to play in the D-League, and I guess you can make more money going overseas. I don't think this is important. I don't think this is historic. I think this is a one-day story because we have seen this before. And we are not going to see this in the relatively near future when the one-and-done rule, as Adam Silver has said, is going to be phased out. Then this kid goes right into the NBA, and we don't worry about stuff like this. Um, You know, via Condios, if you want to do this I'm absolutely fine with it, it, it I, but I don't want to make this into something revolutionary because it isn't. Tony, there are all kinds of concerns here. One of them is you say kid goes right into the NBA. Suppose he's not good enough. We don't know he's, he's done. good enough. And that was the problem in the early 2000s when more kids weren't good enough than those who were. But the so that's great it. And, ones, and here's the other thing. The Kevin Garnett, the LeBron James, the Kobe Bryants, they're good enough. All, all the, yeah, but there's... Ten times that many kids who didn't make it and who are still looking for a gig. Then don't go. The other go. thing, Tony, is people talk about, oh, I'm done with the NCAA and college sports. What about college? What about the educational process that is? And he doesn't want to go. That seems to work for a whole lot of people. And we're going to get to this in subsequent days, including my friends, dear friends on this network, who stand in their private lives for formal education and yet say, I'm done with the NCAA. We, we got to have a conversation about that. Let's get to the Stanley Cup final, where the Bruins beat the Blues in game one. Boston was down 2-0 early in the second. 
and looked as rusty as many thought they would be after an 11-day layoff. But the Bruins responded with four unanswered to run their postseason win streak to eight games. Tony, are the Blues going to look back on this as a costly lost opportunity? So I'm going to go right with Barry Melrose. Barry Melrose was on this high-quality program yesterday, and he said that after 11 days, Tuka Rask was going to be rusty. And the Blues should pepper him early. They should get those goals early. They should steal this game. And they did that, basically. They got to 2-0. And after 2-0, and at that point, they had outshot, the Blues had outshot the Bruins by 1-9 to 8. And after that, went the other way, 30-11 to in shots for the rest of the second and the third period. And I watched Melrose on the post game. Granted, I watched it this morning, but I watched it. And he basically said, they're done. They're done now. This was their chance. It now did. It was almost done. a Paul Pierce situation. You know, you know what they say about the two-goal lead, the two-nothing lead. It's the flimsiest lead in hockey. I mean, the, the, the team that scores next. Well, the Bruins scored next and next and next and next. That's right. Including, of course, the, the empty netter at the end. And, 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 Tony, the Blues made a lot of mistakes. I mean, they're a team that prides themselves on a really tight ship, and they weren't about that. And that two-goal lead, maybe it made them relax too much, even though they should have known better. And so the way the Bruins won game one, it does lead you to conclude this ain't going to take long. Be careful. The St. Louis Blues are now in their fourth Stanley Cup final. Three of them, admittedly, were 50 years ago. They're 0-13. They're 0-13 in games. I'd like to see them get on the board. Derek Dietrich already has 14 home runs for Cincinnati. He hits them far, and then he stands in a box, and he admires them. He had one against the Pirates in April that enraged pitcher Chris Archer to the point that Archer threw behind Dietrich next time up, and then both, both benches emptied. Dietrich got another one against Pittsburgh last night, and he gazed at it. But last night, he didn't come up again in the game. Tonight, he will. Dietrich expects no retaliation. Will Bond, should the Pirates just let the kid play? Um, Tony, but they have to let me play, too. And what's more likely than a home run is a strikeout. And I would orchestrate this like an NFL fun bunch. I would tell all the infielders, if he was called or swung his strike three, the entire infield, led by the pitcher, should walk toward the plate, point at him, and start laughing. There are things you can do to humiliate. Let him play. Come up with some new stuff. Do some stuff you do in Little League, which is when you start talking about a kid's mama. Whatever you want to do to him, he's eligible since he can flip and pimp. I would do that in kind. He doesn't actually flip the bat. He stands there in a pose of tremendous self-admiration as if to say, you see how far I hit that ball? They got yeah. a good pitcher going at it tonight. The, the, the Pirates have Jordan Lyles, who's 5-1 with a 2-8-1 ERA. I'd let him strike the guy out. Maybe in the seventh or eighth, I might put a mule in there and hit him in the can. I, I think that is I that's possible. But I, I'm I okay humiliate with him. him standing there and looking at it. Me too. I'm okay. And I'd be okay with my entire bullpen coming in from the bullpen and to point and laugh at him. That's fine. Let's I take would a be break. okay with that too. Coming up, we will ask Nick Nurse whether he's preparing for Kevin Durant to play in the finals. We'll also ask him about his relationship with Tony's friend, Drake. Yeah, Drake's a mascot. I like him. I like him on this show. (laughs) Pardon the interruption is brought to you by Sherwin-Williams. Ask Sherwin-Williams how to bring color to life with the very best paint. I can't believe it. That Gerald is presenting the quarterly budget report with finger puppets? Look, here comes a 1.7% decrease in fixed overhead. Hello, everybody. No. 
I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Who are you? The projected increase in organic Q3 revenue. Hooray! Believe it. Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. When the Raptors hired Nick Nurse to be their head coach, I said, who is this guy? Well, he's the guy who's in the NBA Finals. My bad. We welcome Raptors coach Nick Nurse to the program. And we'll start with this. When you went down 2 nothing to Milwaukee, some pronounce the series is over. I was one of those sums. <laughs> what do you see as the key move that turned the series around and into your favor? Well, I think uh, we just didn't panic, Tony. I think we, we realized they were a good team and it, we thought it would be a long series and we just needed to get back home and, and get a win. Uh, I thought we outplayed them in game one, but the ball didn't bounce our way and, and we, we took an L and we didn't play very well in game two, but we did, we'd done that a couple of times in the playoffs too, one you know against Philly and one against Orlando, but we bounced right back from those as well. So we just went back and got to work and, and our guys never really wavered. Well, looking back is sort of irresistible given the nature of that series, Nick, but I want us to spin this forward for a bit. Of course, uh, Warriors game one Thursday night in Toronto. How different is it dealing with coaching against preparing for the Warriors with Kevin Durant and without Kevin Durant? Well, uh, my, my training helps me here. It, it feels like I'm back in the the G League or the D League when I was there coaching is you used to know who was playing about an hour before the game. You know, guys were getting called up and sent down and you prepared the best you can. And when you finally figured it out, you, 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 you prepared again and you didn't really let it bother you. So, uh, you know, we're, we're certainly preparing for those guys to play. And when we get official word, whether they are or, or not, we'll make any adjustments or plans that we need to make. But, um, I know one thing, they're going to have five guys out there when the ball goes up, and so will we, and, and we just got to play them. I have to ask you a much more important question now as ordered, as ordered by my 11-year-old son and Drake fanatic, who says, Dad, if you're going to talk to yes. Coach Nurse, can't, you have to ask him if they're friends, are they boys, is there a relationship with you and, and of course, the number one Raptors face? Um, he's really nice to me, Michael, every time I see him. I know that. He's a, he's a really nice guy. Um, the whole back rub thing, I didn't even know it was happening until, until the next day. Somebody sent me a picture, and uh, I didn't even feel his hands on me. So, I, I, you know, you've probably heard my response to that. I said either I was really focused or he's got really soft hands. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good with, with, with either one of those you want to take. But, uh, no, he's, he's a huge fan. He's, he's like uh, – He's like your 11-year-old son as, as a Raptor fan. He, he loves the team and very, very proud of, of the city of Toronto, and you can, you can see that. So not everybody knows your story. I certainly didn't until I looked some of it up today, that you coached in England for a while, that you coached in the D League or the G League or whatever that is called for a while. I am told when you went to school, you studied to be an accountant. What, kind of a, what, what were your plans? What kind of accountant would you have been? Yeah, I went to the University of Northern Iowa. They had a they had a great accounting program, one of the, one of the tops in the country. One of my older brothers went to Northern Iowa. He was an accountant, and uh, I don't know. I was just trying to get a degree and and, and uh, get into the world. And then I decided that I that I really loved basketball about my senior year and finished the degree and started coaching and have not accounted for anything since leaving <laughs> Northern Iowa. <laughs> 
But you've got a lot of disparate loves going on because also you are a pole vaulter. It was track and field. I'm not going to get into Tony <laughs> with the stuff about being a, a Cubs fan. That's between you and me. But pole oh, man, vaulting, awesome. how did you get into pole vaulting and how good were you? Again, so I'm, I'm, the, I got, I'm the youngest of nine kids. I got five older brothers, and they were all pole vaulters. And uh, in our backyard, man, we had a pole vaulting pit. One of my brothers brought a pole home one day, and we, we started, you know, throwing old mattress out there. We started pole vaulting. I was pole vaulting probably at four or five years old, and so were all my brothers. A lot of kids in the neighborhood. There was, a, you know, a few, few broken limbs. <laughs> In the neighborhood, it was we 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 were we were more about uh, quantity than we were quality. <laughs> Just let anybody try it back there, but that's how that started. How high did you get? Did you ever go fourteen feet, fifteen feet? How high did you go? No, no, twelve feet ten was my highest. I wasn't I wasn't the greatest athlete in the world, Tony. I was kind of slow and not very strong as a high schooler, but that doesn't fit for pole vaulting very well. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. Form, we know there's a brand. There's an NN personal brand that I'm told is on hats, yeah. if not all around the world. Certainly you can lay your hands on some of these hats. Can you explain this to us? Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, I originally started as a Travis Matthews hat, a T in an, on top of an M. And uh, my brother's the head equipment manager at the University of Northern Iowa, and they're a Nike school like the NBA is. And he said, why is your brother always wearing that hat? I'm going to, it looks like NN is initials. I'm going to get him, get him some with NN. So he gave them to my brother, four of them in total. And, and he gave them to me, and I like them. They're black. They go with what I wear a lot. So that's the story. You win the NBA finals. There'll be more than four of those. Thank you so much. That's right. Thank Thank you. you, Good luck. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Big thrill for me. That's so great. The NBA finals start Thursday night on ABC. Let's take one last great break, rather. But still to come, Cody Bellinger is not hitting 400 anymore, but he's doing some other very impressive stuff. And Ty Lue apparently has job options, but is he smart to hold out for a head coaching gig? So when he was in England, Nick Nurse watched PTI in England at 1030 at night in England. Tony, you're late to all this. You need to get up to the north. You really do. I thought you said Toronto was the Midwest. It is, but that's north. Oh, okay. I Here's it was what it's not. Eastern it's not time east. zone. Happy time. People happy 31st birthday, Craig Kimbrell. Guess who's still out of a job? The active leader in saves and number 14 on the all-time save list, sitting on the sideline, waiting for the contract he wants. Kimbrell has a World Series ring from the Red Sox last year. One team said to be very interested is the Braves, for whom Kimbrell pitched for five seasons. I know a team that should be interested, the team with the worst bullpen in baseball, the Washington Nationals. No, the team of consequence with the worst bullpen so far in terms of closing, the Chicago Cubs. Theo, have you got this guy on line one? I mean, a former Red Sox? Come on now. Happy anniversary, Lance Stevenson. On this day five years ago, Lance blew into LeBron's ear as the Pacers staved off elimination with a Game 5 win over the Heat. This apparently intrigued LeBron so much that he brought Stevenson to the Lakers this year. Stevenson averaged just seven points and three rebounds in 16 minutes a game, making reasonable people wonder, what is the attraction of this guy? Lance and Brad Marchand. Who is more annoying? Which one of those two? Brad Marchand is better. He's better. Happy trails to two guys trying to run on Cody Bellinger. The Dodgers right fielder threw out two different Mets last night. 
Michael Conforto at the plate in the first inning, and then Carlos Gomez tagging up and trying to get the third in the eighth inning. It seems unfair, doesn't it, that a guy so great on offense would be so great on defense, too. It is unlikely that people will be running on Bellinger for the rest of the season. And Bellinger is a two-way guy the way Kawhi Leonard is, Mike. Tony, seven assists already this season. I think he had a total of like three in the last couple. Early MVP candidate, right? The Abs- early MVP he and, phase. Well, he and Yelich, absolutely. Yeah. One era, Mike, you said that Marcus Gasol is playing in Robin Lopez land. You, you know what I meant. Brooke Lopez Brooke land. Brooke Lopez land, yes. Let's go to the big finish. Let's Duke do it. Duke center Marcus Bolden will enter the NBA draft rather than return to school. Is that a smart decision? I told you it's a weak draft, so maybe so. Maybe he'd be higher in this draft than a subsequent draft. The Raiders signed Richie Incognito. Really? Really? See, that's the court of last resort under Al Davis. I don't know about now, but this would have made sense 20 years ago. The Athletic reports that the Rockets and Pelicans are hoping to land Ty Lue as lead assistant, but that he is focused on a head coaching role. Is that a good call? Do you blame him? I mean, he's wearing a ring. How many other guys sitting further down the bench have a ring as a head coach? I understand what T. Lou feels. Brazil stripped Neymar of his captaincy. You okay with that? Interestingly enough, Brazil did not call me. It is an internal matter in Brazil. It has nothing to do with me. Last one, the A's have now won 10 in a row. Will that streak continue tonight? When it's starting, Frankie Montas, 6-2 the 2-4-0 ERA, Tony, so they got a shot. We're out of time. We'll try and do better the next time. And I'm Tony Kornheiser. I'm Mike Wilbon. Same time tomorrow, knuckleheads. You can get the PTI podcast on the app or Apple Podcast. 7 Eastern, Tony, Doc, Magic, Stephen A. and me. I'll watch, watch you. And 